Episode 52, a mini-sode on only murders. A little update. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Autistica. Matt. Hey, Angela. I have... An update for you on our Only Murders in the Building episode. uh, One of my favorite episodes and one of my favorite shows. I cannot wait to uh, hear this. What do you got? Yes, I I am very excited about this one. So this is a two-part update. The first part comes from our content manager, River Robbins, who, um, when she was listening to it, she said, I want to add another stone in the bucket for Selena being autistic. Ooh. She said Selena Gomez has lupus. I heard that. So, and we have our medical issues for autistics episode. Oh, yeah. Where we talk about lupus being one of, which I hadn't heard before we recorded that episode, um, but that lupus is a common co-occurrence with autism. It is. And uh, Halsey, the music artist, has like POTS, EDS, Max. Sogren syndrome. Oh, wow. Yep. So, um, I had no idea. Yeah. So, River shared that. And I'm like, I, A, I didn't know Selena Gomez had lupus and has talked about it. And two, when we're like, ha- she's kind of the magical third yeah. in that particular configuration. Uh, and I'm like, ah, very interesting. The other comments I got was from a guy named Nico Terry. And Nico was talking about how autistic friendships come from shared special interests. And we talk a lot about friendship and only murders. Nico is a math professor and he is a chocolate expert. So I have asked him to come on and do a chocolate episode for us. But we are talking about the difference between neurotypical friendships and autistic friendships. And when you're focused on a shared special interest, how like easy it is to connect and how the web of neurotypical friendships seems very confusing. But dude is a mathematician and he gave me an equation 
on decoding oh. NT friendships I had to share with you. I am about oh, to yes, reveal the mysteries of the universe. Nico sent me this and I was like, we must tell everyone this is how it works. So I'm going to read his post. We are going to dissect this. He says, neurotypical friendships have a progression path that goes from acquaintance to cohort friend to casual friend to close friend to superlative of choice. So we're going to talk about this progression, these five stages. This is how it works. You are not instantly best friends because you have a shared special interest. I know this. No velociraptor moments here. What is happening? Okay. So he says it's fairly rare for NTs to admit or share with each other which stage of friendship you're in. So one of the rules of NT friendship is you don't tell anyone which stage you're in. Ha! Because they have to maintain secrecy at all times because why would anyone say anything out loud because they're like that? Yes. So... What is up with that? Okay, here we go. Stage one is acquaintance. Here's how it works. Feel free to take notes if you need to. Uh, He says, running into someone regularly due to a common social environment, whether that's a social circle, Uh. a neighbor, a school, or some other context. Work at this stage, they do not mind forgetting names to a performative degree. They'll be confused if you forgot their name, but they'll remember an anecdote you told them or you were mentioned in months earlier. So this is like one of the things that's always befuddled me about the how are you, but then they're not really listening and they don't want an answer. That's because you're in this stage one acquaintance. You don't really matter. You just have a shared social environment. So they are acknowledging. Proximity workplace associates. Yes, that's it. They're just saying, hey, yeah. we share a social environment. That's it. <laughs> I don't not recognize you. I don't not recognize you. And so if you're thinking like, hey, remember the first time we met, you were wearing a They Might Be Giants t-shirt. I was wearing a They Might Be Giants t-shirt. Therefore, we're friends because we have this shirt. No, that's not. They're just like, oh, human in my fish tank. Okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah. They they love the proximity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go on. Stage two. This is exciting. Now, this to me means we are getting married and spending the rest of our lives together. Here it is. It is not that. Making occasional plans that are context dependent. E.g. from Nico. My friends from the dance group like are all going to get drinks. That does not mean we're friends. We are in a cohort. We're all in the dance group together. We're all classmates or we're going for drinks after work. Does not mean I like you. Does not mean you're accepted. Does not mean I care about you as a human. It means we have moved from being, hey, how are you? Head nod to occasional context dependent plans. I don't even have to like you to agree to spend time with you. That is fascinating. That what... Yeah. Why? 
Uh, but, but accurate. Yes. It is accurate. So, But yes, it's one of those why, things I don't understand. Yes. So the why is like for an activity. Like we are getting drinks like yeah, at, yeah. like we 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 shall we shall seek alcohol. Yes, exactly. Let us go seek alcohol together. Mm-hmm. Now, an interesting thing happens. You may be because you share a cohort, you may be together when you have a personal tragedy or triumph. You get into a car accident on your way there. You uh, get accepted into grad school. You get your LSAT scores back. Now, you are not sharing this with them because you're friends or you care about them. You're sharing this with them because you happen to have context-dependent plans while you were together. And this can move you into stage three, but it doesn't necessarily. It, does, it doesn't mean vulnerability. It doesn't mean, it just means this happened in approximate time, in approximate place that may lead to stage three. Stage three is what we call a casual friend. These are friends who approximately know who you are or the version of yourself you present to the world. They might not be able to answer all of the like first date questions, like where are you from? Who are your siblings? What's your most embarrassing story? They, they're not at that level, um, but they would guess, their guesses would be um, what our mathematician friend says, better than random chance. They're not expecting. (laughs) So at this point, you, my autistic friend, would be categorizing like uh, in second grade, she had a teacher who didn't like her. You're like making notes because I might need this to design Christmas ornaments. You were doing research. They're not, but they might happen to remember something. They might, you mentioned your sister because she called when you were together. They might remember you have a sister. Like they might, but it doesn't actually matter. Um, They might know some of your friends. If you were moving, they might be like, oh yeah, I'll I'll help you move. Um, They might know what kinds of plans you're making, but these NTs are not logging it. They're not. They are not detail-oriented people. uh Uh-uh. They're just like, if they happen to remember it, great. If they don't, great. They're not thinking, I might need this later to survive or to minimize chaos. They're just like, just just rolling with it. They're just rolling with it. Okay, now stage four, close friends. Close friends expect to be on the early list of people you would call upon for emotional or practical support or even relationship advice but not necessarily for big problems. In other words, they don't want to hear all the details. They don't want to like... And that's that's fascinating that they would be labeled as close then because, again, we have very different uh, definitions of such things. This is fascinating. Right. So fascinating. So if you are trying to decide, should I get a Tesla or a Prius? Close friends are there for it. They're like, oh, let's do a little pros and cons chart together. But if you're trying to decide, should I get an official autism diagnosis or how should I tell my mom I'm autistic? It's just, it's a little too much. And they're like way too many details. Now I have to like remember all this shit about you. Now you're relying on me. 
like it's in the moment. Um, should we get tickets for two nights in a row of a concert or one? Great. Like that's a problem. How do I pay my rent this month? Like, how do I find money for like this month? Fine. How do I, what is my career and how do I pay my rent ongoing? Too much. Stop saying so too much information. Fascinating. It's the cheat sheet I've been waiting for. I'm like, oh, because I'm like, everything's connected. We can't just solve my rent this month. I need to tell you everything about my entire financial history. Let's look at some, you know, spreadsheets. Let's figure out. Because it's a cumulative problem that needs to be addressed. Yes. Yeah. And even like, even if it's a Prius versus a Tesla, I'm like, but Elon Musk, but also Toyota, but also capitalism, but also like... There's so many things. I can't just stick to this, but that's when they get annoyed and they feel like we talk too much and Uh, take over the conversation and we always make it about us. Yeah. Right. Because details. Okay. Stage five. This is the one we just think we're either friends or not friends. We're a little binary here. We're like, we're friends or we're not friends. Okay. So. This he calls superlative of choice. So whether they call it best friends, besties, the boys, my people, chosen families, siblings, these are the people who they would book vacation days to support. They take off work to support. These are the people who would do the same for them, that they would call and be like, hey, will you come give me a ride to the doctors? Because I can't drive. My eyes are going to be dilated. These are the people they would back in an argument, even get this, if they think their friend is wrong. They would at least partially. Why would they do such a thing? Because I'm your bestie. I'm your person. So I'm going to, I might talk to you separately about it. But if a stranger came in and was like, Matt's an asshole, because we're besties, I'll back you up. But if we're just close friends or we're acquaintances or cohort friends and somebody says Matt's an asshole, they're like, yeah, no, Matt's a total fucking asshole. Guy's an asshole. If you move to bestie uh, stage... I, I, I would not deny that, but right, yes. Some days, some days, my friends. Yeah. So yeah. this is why we often feel betrayed because we think we're best friends. So why wouldn't you have my back yeah. or like see... At the very least, if not have my back, like see that I meant well, see what my intentions are, not call me a narcissist, not assume I'm a fucking asshole. Like, you know me, but they don't know you because they're just proximate friends. So when they they, get to They never did the research. They never did the research and they're not going to. If you make it into the best friend circle, they'll defend you even if they know you're wrong. They won't even think of you as wrong. They'll just think of you as the inner circle. So this is why like there are members of my family who won't talk to me, whose primary mantra is family first. And I'm like so fucking confused because I'm like, uh, but I'm family. So if it's family first, then you, I'm confused. Yeah, It doesn't mean family first. It means like if you agree to these terms, then we're besties. And the terms are, you don't call me out. I don't call you out. You defend me to people even if I'm wrong. I defend you to people if you're wrong. And they don't care about what is true and what is untrue and, you know, the nuances of things and all the details and all of that. Because you made it to the best friend circle. 
once you've made it into that circle, it's just blind affiliation. Mm -hmm. Which is why it's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I love this analysis. I love this analysis. I I love the explanation that part of the rules of NT friendships are that we don't talk about what stage we're in. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, because they're not into analysis of any kind. So why would relationship analysis be different? And again, this is why uh, allistics really hate it when we want to identify what relationship we are in, what the labels are, what the parameters are, what are the expectations? Because again, we we like nice definitions. We like to understand and that's not how they run. Yeah. That's not how they work. Yeah. So I thought this was a nice little navigational tool to just like at least have a roadmap to see what's going on. And I think the reason I love watching Only Murders is those friendships, those three people, not so much the extras we talked to the other people in the cast, but those three people, their friendship works the way I think friendship should work. So it's like all very logical. Like they immediately Constant negotiation, met. logic, examination. Yeah. yeah. They met. There was uh, a Did thing. you finally see season three? Yes. Oh, so oh, good. We yes, just good. finished. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of that, especially with Mabel and, you know, try, trying to figure out where she fits in and, you know, going off on her own. And yeah, there, there's a lot of all that interplay going on. And the whole Jesse Williams thing. And how do we negotiate a new person? Like somebody gets a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Like, how do we negotiate that? Yes. Yes. It all in their friendship. Uh, and there's multiple times in that third season where they're like... um, not three musketeers, but like, are we all in? Are we doing this podcast together? Like that is our shared special interest. So if we're not doing that together, it affects the friendship. If we are doing it together, it affects the friendship. So we must navigate this and discuss this because this is the thing. But if it's all based on proximity, if it's just because we live in the same building then the reason we can't talk about what stage we're in is it's going to flow. You'll go back to just being approximate friendship. Now we're not doing the podcast anymore. Like, so it moves. It's much, it has to like flow freely between these five stages, which means we can't ever talk about it, which kills us as autistic people. And my conclusion of this mini-sode is get an autistic bestie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's tiring. It is. Or at least buffer yourself and prepare yourself if you do. I have a, uh, one of my closest friends is holistic and she is such an ally and she is always willing to talk and negotiate this stuff. Even though she doesn't naturally get it, she's naturally curious and she wants to know more. It does not exhaust. That friendship is very life-giving to me. But if I'm doing an autistic or if I'm doing an autistic holistic mixed neurotype friendship with like one of the moms at my kid's school or something that would be proximate, somebody in my apartment building or something like that, it's very tiring to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of extra effort in order to uh, actively decode and actively translate and make sure that uh, both people are speaking the same language. 
Yeah. So if you are struggling, if if you are struggling with friendships, I, I am removing the word if. I know you're struggling with friendships, yeah. my friends. It is really hard. It is not talked about enough. Only Murders, I think, is the most beautiful depiction of what an autistic friendship is like. And if you don't have that, I highly recommend you go seek it. One of the old ways that, well, probably still, but one of the ways uh, therapy was done for kids, um, and this was done for me, even though it wasn't called therapy, is they would pair you with an holistic person and be like, here's Meg yeah. and Joe, act like Meg and Joe. She does it right. And then I oh, invariably always failed. What I would say is at least have some recovery time in your friendships by having a pair yourself with an autistic friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, that's this is autistic interpersonal therapy. And one of the things that I've talked with somebody about this week is that behaviorists get it totally wrong with their social groups because a lot of focus on behaviorism is saying, you know, like the, the right things to say are like, how are you? Again, you know, the scripting, how is the weather today? Did you like that thing? Instead of having actual genuine human interaction uh, about talking about our special interests, talking about things that get our vibe going. It, it's so surface level and superficial because who wants to wade through four separate areas of superficiality before you're able to find someone who genuinely appreciates you? That's exhausting. It is exhausting. It is exhausting. And and it will lead it's like to being meltdowns. On the Bachelor, or even worse, watching The Bachelor. <laughs> so yeah, also exhausting. So that was yeah. my little only murders update. Uh, I learned so much about autistic friendships from watching that show. Uh, I I have, with some help from River moved Selena Gomez uh, into our category. Um, And at least the way that friendship is coded is 100% what a true autistic friendship would look like. So that's what I got, Matt. That's awesome. That's it. That was our little mini-sode. Thanks, guys. Peace. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S.com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowrylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in Licensed Psychological Practitioner, dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else. Special thanks to our content manager, River Robbins, and Aaron Stoner, our producer for making us look and sound good. Thank you.